like, what's 872 times 594? Worse still, what's 872 divided by 594? You've probably got an app on your smartphone or computer or even your watch that will calculate that for you in a second. You might even have an actual calculator lying around somewhere. If all else failed, you could take the old school approach and work those out by hand, but who does that anymore? Counting is prehistoric. A 35,000-year-old bone fragment with notches scratched into it might well reflect the recording of the days of the lunar cycle. Those are called tallies, and they might have led us to Roman numerals. Think of the I, <clears throat> then the V, then the X as two Vs point to point. They're okay for addition and subtraction, and look impressive for royalty and Olympiads and Super Bowls, but Roman numerals are a pain for multiplication, let alone division, decimals, negative numbers, and so on. People like to refer to our times as the digital age, which has been a long time coming. About 800 years, in fact, since an Italian mathematician and world traveler brought the gift of digits to Europe from India through Arabia and taught the West how to count and calculate and figure it all out. A document that changed the world. Liber Abbasi, often translated the Book of Calculation, written by Leonardo of Pisa, also known as Fibonacci. 1202. I'm Joe James of the University of Washington Information School. Some years fairly burst with the weight of history and instantly evoke their events without any words. 1789, 1492, 1941, 1066. 1202 is not one of those years, so Fibonacci has the stage all to himself, which makes it that much more of a shame that we know so very little about him, and most of what we do know comes from his own writings. We're not even sure of his name. He refers to himself as Leonardo Pisano of Pisa, Filius Bonacci, son of Bonacci, from which we get Fibonacci from a 19th century historian, but that's not his father's name. He tells us that he traveled with his father, a customs official, from Pisa to Egypt, Syria, Greece, Provence, and it was on those travels that he was exposed to the number system we know today as Arabic numerals, but which had originated in India several centuries before. That system had started to make its way into Europe a couple of centuries earlier, again via the Arabs in Spain, but it wasn't widely known or used. Rather, calculation was typically undertaken by way of an abacus, a device used by the ancient Greeks and Romans, as well as the Chinese and other cultures, using beads on rods or stones on a table or something like that. The book itself has no explicit title, which was typical for the time. Liber Abbasi comes from the first sentence, Here Begins the Book of Calculation. There are also no titles per se of the 15 chapters, though each is described, and in the very brief prologue he says, I separated this book into XV chapters, because of course one five chapters wouldn't make any sense until you read the book. The first chapter begins thus. The nine Indian figures are 9876543321. With these nine figures and with the sign O, which the Arabs call Zafir, 
any number whatsoever is written. Then follows 600 plus pages of calculational problems, spiced up with at least some diverting examples to keep the reader engaged, though by and large it's just page after page working problem after problem to help get his points across. It also has sections on commerce, barter, currency and weight conversion, simple and compound interest, the alloying of money, along with problems and proofs in geometry and algebra, which also came from the Arab word, from the Arabic for the reunion of broken parts. For good measure, he introduces the practice of dividing large numbers into groups of threes, as we still do using commas, and lays out an extensive process of calculation using various finger and hand positions. That Indian system was developed by about 700, likely using base 10, 10 digits, because we have 10 digits. Though that wasn't the only option, the Babylonian base 60 system still survives on every clock face and the latitude-longitude system. That included a zero, which seems to have originated independently in various cultures as far back as the symbol for the heart in 18th century BCE Egyptian accounting, a space in Babylon, and by several various grotesque numeral figures by the Mayans, who used base 20. The zero was rigorously, if not entirely accurately, defined by the Indian mathematician Brahmagupta in 628. It's widely believed that part of the delay in establishing zero as a number, rather than just a placeholder, as was the case in many early systems, was a fear of what it represented, the unknown, the void, non-existence, as one book about the history of zero called it, the nothing that is. And over those centuries, the concept and word took on other meanings. The Oxford English Dictionary lists numerous senses of zero from mathematics, linguistics, geography, chemistry, business, physics, the military zero hour, even radio and agriculture, and most recently uses such as zero tolerance policies and zero day software attacks, not to mention referring to a person who's a nobody. Among the many examples in his book was the rabbit problem, you can guess how that goes, which gives rise to a sequence of what are now known as Fibonacci numbers. Start with two ones, and then each subsequent number is the sum of the previous two. 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, 34, 55, and so on. They're a curiosity, one of those things you learn about in math class and then forget all about, though they do seem to crop up in a variety of natural contexts like leaf petal and pine cone patterns, and can also be of use in other mathematical settings. There's even an association in journal, the Fibonacci Quarterly, so his name lives on at least in one way. The first version of the book was written in 1202, though no copies of that survive. We have three almost complete examples and more fragments of a second version from 1228, all in copied manuscripts from at least 50 years later. Remarkably, it apparently wasn't printed until 1857 and wasn't translated into English until 2002. It was a hit in its day. It was used for at least 
three centuries in the teaching of mathematics and sparked the production of about a thousand other texts on mathematics in Italy. Indeed, it was so successful that within a few generations it was forgotten and his name largely disappears from mathematical writings. The last we know of him was an audience with Frederick II, the Holy Roman Emperor, to demonstrate his abilities solving challenge problems, which he passed with ease, and shortly thereafter we lose him, not even a record of his death. I said at the beginning that not much happened in 1202. That's not entirely true. Lots of things happened. We just don't know much about them because so few records survive. However, somewhere around 1200, Tahitian Polynesians settle what is now New Zealand, the Icelandic family sagas begin, and the Carmina Verana is written. Within the next several years, the Fourth Crusade will take Jerusalem, the Franciscan Order will be founded, and the warrior Temujin will unite the nomadic Mongol tribes and style himself Genghis Khan. And in a lovely bit of <laughs> circularity, Without the Liber Abbasi, we wouldn't call it 1202, particularly the O part. We could refer to it as MCCII, or some other way, though it's difficult to imagine progress would have proceeded along anything like the same pathways if we were still using Roman numerals. Fibonacci, in his book, paved the way for the foundation of almost every form of progress you can imagine. And that work is still played out every minute of every day, and likely always will. Not bad for a quiet year. Time to check your math. 872 divided by 594 is 1.468, and I didn't use a calculator or even pencil and paper. I googled it. Not many people know that Google can do calculation, including conversions and such. Type in half a cup in teaspoons and see what you get, for example. Few people also know that Google is a play on the word Google, G-O-O-G-O-L, made up around 1940 by the nine-year-old nephew of a mathematician when he was asked what to call one followed by a hundred zeros. A Googleplex is one followed by a Google zeros, which is a very big number. So a zero isn't nothing after all.